hey guys, welcome to Theology for You, back uh, for another month with another hopefully fantastic episode, back with Chris. He liked it so much the first time he came back, so it's uh, always good when uh, a new friend comes comes back. How's it going, Chris? It's going great, man. Uh, definitely enjoyed it this time. Look forward to this time as well. Uh, we're we're uh, elated to, to have you, and thanks for the uh, really good book reviews you've been doing. Uh, over this past month, they've been really good. So, um, we'll talk about a few things on uh, this episode, this edition of Theology for You. Uh, I would like Chris to talk about uh, actually a book he just reviewed. I think we put it up on Friday um, on the site, and then we're gonna we actually both attended with our wives a, a parenting conference because kids. Uh, and and whatnot, so uh, we went to that together. So we're going to talk a little bit about what we learned uh, at that. Why we go to conferences? Um, I'm kind of a conference junkie, I have to admit. So um, they're a bit addictive. And then um, both of us and Victoria is going to write one of these uh, pretty soon. Uh, have put up on the blog over the past couple weeks uh, some favorite resources that we use. Uh, so we're going to talk about that and. Uh, I feel like we have a pretty diverse mix of things, so it'll be a. <coughs> I think it'll be a fun conversation. If you think it's fun, it's our podcast. I guess we <laughs> we can do what we want with it. So, um, so yeah, Chris, good and angry was the book that you just reviewed. Uh, David Paulison, he's through CCEF, right? Yeah, I believe okay. so. Does he teach at Westminster too? Um, I'm not sure. Okay. Let me. Uh, he may have it one time. Quick. That's that's not that big of a deal, honestly. Um, yeah, I've, I've heard his name. Yeah, he's CCF executive, uh, CCEF executive director. So yeah. Okay. Um, tell us a little bit about the book, because honestly, good and good and angry seems like a pretty sensational title, perhaps. So what's what's Paulison really getting at in the book? Um, so if I if, if to answer the question, what's he really getting at? I think what he's getting at is that anger uh, can be both a good emotion uh, and it can be a bad emotion. And uh, anything like me, anger is kind of typically discussed as a bad thing. Um, there are many different words for anger, malice, rage, um, various words for anger. We see anger through murder, hatred, fighting. We see it in many ways. But Paulison is kind of getting at is that, yeah, anger can be really bad, but anger can also be good. And so hence the title, Good and Angry. Um, and one of the, the biggest things I got from the book is, is in chapter two, and I suggest everybody read chapter two. Um, do you have a serious anger problem? Yes. And then the chapter's over. Um, and so he says in the uh, taking it home section, he says, reread this chapter. And for me, I thought, you know, and I started my blog post out like that too, my review, um, because I would have thought I'm a laid back, very chill person. I don't fight people. I don't yell at people. You know, I don't do that. I'm not an angry person. But what he uh, kind of brought out was there is a silent, inward anger. There's an anger that, that may not express itself in physical violence or physical action. And I would say that a lot of people would, would think, well, yeah, I, I don't struggle with anger. But as I read through that chapter in that beginning section, I saw 
you know, wow, I really do have an anger problem. It's just not a, it's just not the anger that I'm associated with because I have a connotation of anger or a definition of anger that doesn't fit what I do. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that was really profound for me. And as I went through the book, I started to see that a lot of times, even my, my responses to situation, my thoughts about stuff was actually um, pretty angry. And he, he actually, towards the end of the book, really, really wrote some stuff that, that gave me freedom. He talks about <clears throat> self-anger and self-anger manifests itself in anxiety, depression, guilt. I can't believe you did this. You didn't meet my standards. You failure. <coughs> and a lot of that's, you know, we think, well, okay, the Pharisees, um, we, we get mad at the Pharisees because they failed. We get mad at, <clears throat> we get mad at people in our lives because they fail. But I never realized that my self-anger is probably the biggest source of anger in my life. And it's, it's caused a lot of issues. And so um, the book was really, really good and really freeing. And, and due to the nature of reading books for reviews, I had to kind of read through it pretty quickly. It's going to be one of those books that I may spend after I'm, I'm finishing up a book on biblical theology. But then Good and Angry may be the next book that I spend my daily devotion time after I read the scriptures, kind of working through, slowly praying through it, reading the scripture references, taking it home, because it's a really, really powerful book. The, uh, does Paulison touch on this? Because I, I feel like we have a <clears throat> a caricature of what angry an angry person looks like. Like it's kind of just flying off the handle, but it sounds like he's really just getting down to, especially with that self-anger. I, I probably need to read that chapter myself. Um, I guess he's trying to broaden how we think about anger to be more in line with scriptures. That would that be a fair assessment? I'm just going off your review. Yeah, and um, I don't have the book in front of me because I left it at home. But he actually, I think he gives five different types of anger, and there is that <clears throat> there is that one guy that flies off the handle that cusses people out, that shoots and kills somebody. But there's also he talks about <clears throat> he gives an example. There's this kid who is silently angry like a kid who's so mad inwardly that, you know, one day he could just go off and kill somebody and no one would have ever thought this kid's angry. Um, at the least they would have just thought he's quiet. He's kind of reserved, but the anger, he kind of hits on anger manifests itself in all of us. And so it's not a specific personality type. It's not a specific, um, like you said, that caricature is not the only type, but it is definitely a very visible type that we can associate with. Yeah. Hmm. Well, thanks for reading it, and thanks for writing a, another really good good review. That was very helpful. <clears throat> I need to probably get a copy of the book myself yeah, eventually. I, so, I definitely think uh, even if you're not like even if you're not in biblical counseling, even if you're not thinking that you have an anger problem, it's good to read it because it, it's going to help with marital conflicts. It's going to help with relational conflicts. It's going to help with job because because the other thing is he didn't just write the book to tell us we're angry. He wrote the book to tell us about angry people and kind of how to live with and how to understand mm. them well. Yeah. And so I think that's helpful too because we're going to work with people. We're going to work with um, people of all different types of anger, and we need to be able to see that and kind of um, kind of use that. And, and I, I didn't mention this. I do want to hit on this. But the good part of anger, he talks about we can turn anger into mercy. We can turn anger into grace. We can turn anger into positive conflict and positive um, you know, situations. And so 
he, he gives some really good examples of how people were angry at injustice, but instead of fighting back with violence, they fought back with mercy and goodness. And he kind of roots that all in God's good anger, that God's angry with sin, but then he reroutes that with his mercy. And I thought, man, that's, that's huge because I can take the things that make me mad, pray them out to God, and then have him reorient that anger towards something good. Yeah, that's really good. That's helpful. Thanks for sharing. Appreciate it. Um, so on to parenting. Yeah. Um, yeah, we went to a parenting conference. It was called, uh, confident, confident parenting. Is that what it was called? Yeah. It apparently the word council, the word confident parenting. It it evidently left a big uh, mark on me if I can't remember the name of it. So, (laughs) (laughs) um, but yeah, we went, uh, I guess it's been about a month ago. It doesn't seem that long. Um, so yeah, I just thought we'd talk about some big takeaways uh, from it. I know myself and Victoria, um, it really helped us with a lot of things that we had been thinking through. So, <clears throat> and we're kind of in the same stage, you and me, and uh, your wife, and uh, me and Victoria with a, a two-year-old and a under under one-year-old because we're cool like that. Yep. Um, so <clears throat> one thing I thought we would address, cause you see a lot of Christian conferences, um, you got together for the gospel lit Ligonier, I feel like does five or six a year now. Um, we go to the nine marks at Southern. Um, we, we went to a, a, a parenting conference. So <clears throat> why, why, uh, why go to a conference? What's kind of the point of going to a conference? Um, I, do you want to go first? Yeah, I'll go first. Um, okay. I, I know specifically, especially I go to, uh, uh, you, you joined us for nine marks this year. And then, um, I normally go to Alistair Bakes church. They do the basics conference, uh, which is just for pastors. Um, I go to conferences for a couple of reasons. One, especially a pastor's type of conference is to kind of be refreshed. Um, and one thing I like about Alistair Begg's conference is it's kind of in the middle of the year. So it's almost a, a time to recharge and refresh uh, ministerially halfway through the year. <clears throat> Another reason I go to conferences, especially something like a parenting conference, is I, uh, I don't have everything figured out, especially when it comes to parenting. I, I try to make sure that I'm getting counsel from my local body, so the, the leaders at the church, uh, but I think conferences are also helpful for that reason. I'm trying to be humble enough to say I don't have parenting in this example. I don't have parenting figured out. I need some help. Um, so help me. So that that's those are the, probably the two reasons that um, I like going to conferences. And not to mention some of them, you get to see good friends and develop new friendships um, when you go to them. So that's, that, it's just a – a certain camaraderie in them as well. So that's the, I think that would be a quick explanation for me. I could probably go deeper, but what about you? I think for me, it's, it's very similar to yours. And um, my, from my experience, I've not gone to a lot of conferences. I've always wanted to go to T4G, never could really afford it. Uh, I think last year, my wife and I went to uh, a family life marriage conference last March. And that was kind of, that was one of my first conferences. I think I've been to a few, 
But then this year I got to go to the nine marks, um, which the main reason I went to the nine marks was a lot of the, the brothers I fellowship with all go to that conference and they all invited me to say it's a great time. Um, great message. You get to learn about conversion, which was what this year's conference was. And I thought, well, what a, what better time to kind of go hang out with the guys, learn some stuff. But then we also actually went to a family worship conference this summer in Lawrenceburg. And similar to the parenting conference, I'm, I've been married three years, I've got two children. Um, and I guess, to be honest, I haven't really studied up or read up on family worship as, as I should or, or parenting. And even when you, even when you study it in the Bible or even when you hear sermons on it, it, I think it's good to go like you like with each other and talk about it as we hear it, meditate on it, but also just hear guys like uh, Heath Lambert, Ted Tripp speak on it and then go read their book, hear them, hear people give examples of what, what they've been through, because I don't know that we would have got Ted Tripp's um, testimony through his book. I, I haven't read it yet, uh, Shepherding a Child's Heart, but we got to hear about his own daughter. Uh, we got to hear about Heath Lambert's children. And so there are things in a conference that you don't get from a book. And I'm like you, I don't have it all together with parenting. After that conference, I learned a ton that I don't have together. But if I hadn't gone to that conference, I wouldn't have thought I needed a parenting book or, um, or any help with my parenting. Because a lot of times I think in this life, we think we got it because we've had it done for us or we've had it done to us. But, um, but that doesn't mean we get it. Uh, I'm a teacher. I got a master's degree in teaching, but I was taught my whole life that just because I was taught doesn't make me a good teacher. Mm -hmm. And I think in all of our careers, we get trained up on how to do these things. And so I think why not get trained up on how to be a better parent or, or be a better leader of family worship, or why not be trained up on what a healthy church is so I can go and live it out. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's, it's a lot of that, that same thing as just that need of, I don't know it all and I need some help. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the parenting conference, I thought it was immensely helpful. Um, <clears throat> it was, I don't want to say that I left discouraged, but I definitely left getting uh, punched in the mouth, <laughs> which may be a really bad way to describe that, but <clears throat> I don't know how else to describe it. Um, I, I think one of the big takeaways I had from it, and I think this came through in all three um, presentations was just that our jobs as parents is to obey God and to be faithful and trust him and let him take care of the rest. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> I thought that way, honestly, about like evangelism, you know, like our reformed theology. We've, I feel like we have that. Does that make sense? Like, I, I don't feel a ton of pressure. Like I've got to convert my kids and I've got to do whatever I can to get them saved. And by all means, my girls hear the gospel often, if not, daily many times but um i've never felt this pressure like i've got to it's my responsibility for them to become a christian and if they don't become a christian then i've i've failed them in some way i've never felt that but in other ways though i've definitely been like this is up to me i've got to i've got to do this or they're just you know uh <laughs> 
that there'll be a drunk or something. I don't, I don't know, just something crazy. Um, yeah. <clears throat> so that was an encouraging reminder that it's just as a parent, just be faithful to what God has revealed, obey it. And you've been faithful. Mm-hmm. So that was my first big takeaway. What about you? Um, so, I mean, almost identical to yours, just that, yeah, we're, we're reformed. We know God's sovereign in salvation, but for some reason, and I mean, I've, I've never even verbally said it or had like this deep meditation on it, but I think if I raise my kid in the word, if I preach the gospel to them for 18 years straight, they're going to be on a path to salvation. And that may be true, but I also know people who never heard the gospel as a child and they got saved. And so yeah. I think that kind of knocks me off my pedestal a little bit of like, you know, I'm going to be the best parent in the world and I'm going to uh, kill it by preaching the gospel so that my kids can be saved. And, you know, and I think, I think it was convicting. Mm-hmm. And it was, again, it's like you said, it's not something that I didn't already know, but it was something that maybe functionally didn't play out even though I had the theology correct. Yeah. 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 I, it was just, um, <clears throat> they made parenting sound so parenting, um, find a better way to say this when you look at parenting through that grid of being faithful and obedient to what god has called you to do in his word um i think that really simplifies it and i don't think i i i I tend to complicate parenting (coughs) you know like um trying to figure out things like well do you do timeout do you do spanking um I can talk myself in circles sometimes just trying to figure out like what's the best, the best thing to do when I'm being blockheaded and I just need to go to the Bible (laughs) and God has really told me, Hey, look, this is what you need to do and you'll be, be good to go. Um, Not on easy street. Um, But yeah, I I know I tend to overcomplicate it and I, that grid just really helped me to simplify it. Like this is, it's a big deal. Parenting is a big deal. It's a big deal to be responsible for people, but um, don't make it more complicated than it has to be. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. What was another big takeaway you had? Uh, I think um, <clears throat> one of the biggest, uh, just practical takeaways, um, I'm, a, I'm a public school teacher. And I've been trained in behaviorism. So classroom management, that's one of my, like that's one of the biggest things we're taught as teachers. You manage the classroom uh, and the the learning comes better. Well, that doesn't work in parenting as a Christian. I'm not focused on behavior modification. I'm not focused on just controlling behavior so that we can get to, you know, as a means to an end. And that's difficult to just cut off. I was actually talking to my wife about this just yesterday, she worked for an after-school program. Same type of deal. You control the behavior. When they don't respond, you punish them. You give them a consequence. You send them to whoever, and then it's done because you're trying to manage that behavior so you can get a job done. Well, with parenting, what they taught us is it's about the heart, and that's difficult when you have a a two-year-old or you got a a one-and-a-half-year-old who barely understands what it means to they don't understand necessarily heart level things. But at that point, you know, at the stage we're in with our children, especially our two year olds, um, before I discipline her, 
I need to be explaining it, not for necessarily because at two years old, she's going to understand I'm a sinner, I need grace, but so that the terminology is familiar and so that as parents, we're building that in, that grace and that gospel into our parenting. Um, and one thing I, I got convicted about is, you know, here's the gospel. I'm preaching it. I'm teaching it to you. Jesus died on the cross, rose again. Here's behaviorism. When you mess up, you're in trouble every single time, no matter what you do. And I've got to try to still, I mean, even, even after hearing this, find a way to mesh like grace and justice. And, you know, you did wrong, you need consequences, but at the same time, I want to show you grace. And so I, I definitely learned that behaviorism is not the way to go, but it is my natural leaning because of outside influences. Um, how do you think, um, just because, not everybody that watches or listens to this was probably at the conference, although hopefully they were. Um, how, how practically, how, what does that look like? What you're talking about, not so much going after the behavior, which uh, is hard, especially with the two year old. Cause you just, <laughs> sometimes two year olds are just embarrassing, you know, and you just, you just, <laughs> you just want them to stop what they're doing because it's, it's embarrassing, but that's, that's wrong going after the behavior. Um, do you have any practical tips or maybe how you do this, how you would like to do it in um, your own family? I'll, I'll just give you some, yeah, I'll give you some, or an example that happened recently. So our daughter likes to waste food. She likes to throw food off the table. We have a dog and she just has fun making a mess. Well, last, you know, usually it's like, man, if you don't stop throwing the food off the table, you're going to be in trouble. You're going to get time out or whatever, or spanking. And, yeah, that's behaviorism. But what I've learned and what I actually have tried to do, I don't do it exactly perfectly, but um, Naomi, your mom has asked you not to throw food off the table. If you throw food off the table, you're wasting what God has given you. And by throwing food off the table, you're basically telling God and basically telling us as parents that what we're providing for you is useless. And in the Bible, when we do that, or when we see people doing that to God, it angers him and it breaks his heart. It's sin. And it's something that you've got to repent of because it deserves God's wrath. But instead you can, you can be forgiven and instead you can honor your parents, which will then honor God. And so instead of doing this behavior, why don't you just honor us and eat your food and not throw it on the ground? Now, granted, I don't go through that full gospel presentation every single time. I don't go through that full, like, but it's just a sense of, she has to know it's not, we're not doing this just because we don't want you to throw food, but there's yeah. a reason behind it. And there are many more examples that, that have come up, but we were just at dinner right before this and she was throwing food on the floor. And <laughs> you know, I, I didn't go to the elaborate yeah. um, speech, but it's, it's that, that idea of she needs to know that it's not just mom and dad being mean. It's not just, yeah. so I want their food, but there's a reason. Yeah. And, and I think sometimes I know I do this as well. It's like, it's going to take too, too much time to do it. Like mm -hmm. to sit, to have that conversation, but like what you just said, what, maybe, maybe two minutes, if that yeah. long, maybe a minute, honestly, I don't have a timer on this thing. So, um, I know that's my natural, um, inclination is to just be like, it's going to take too much time. I just need you to, uh, eat your, eat your food. <laughs> just stop wasting the food and just, just eat it as opposed to really trying to, it's almost kind of drilling down. Is that a good way to put it? Like it just like when, when you do this, this is actually why you're doing it. It's not so much mm -hmm. that 
you like wasting food. Like there's a, there's a heart motive here, which is you don't like what God has given you. And that's our natural bent apart from Christ. So, um, yeah, that's good. Yeah. Thanks for, thanks for sharing. Yeah. And, and, you know, just thinking about like hearing, hearing, hearing you talk about it, it also flies against our natural bent as parents and especially as Americans, like, you don't, it doesn't matter the reason I told you not to do it. And, you know, I kind of grew up in that culture of you do what the parents say and you don't question it, but God, God does lay out rules, but then God lays out explanations in the Bible and, you know, yeah, maybe you shouldn't question, well, God, why did you tell me not to do blah, blah, blah. But Jesus probably, you know, fornication, Jesus says, don't lust. Then he tells you, that lust leads to adultery. He tells you that it comes from a corrupt heart, and and it te- he tells you it grieves the spirit. It tells you he tells you that it won't that you won't inherit the kingdom. So I mean, it's not as if God just throws out commands and says, "I'm God, do it." He explains it to us, and he gives yeah. us reason. And I think we yeah. we forget that with our children because they're children. Yeah, and, and um, going back to your good and angry book. <laughs> I think it's, it's, it's easier. It's the, it's the easiest thing to just respond in anger. Yep. Um, or really re- react in anger. If you're going to go down the biblical counseling terminology, but um, it's, it's just easier to be angry and to try to force them to do it through your own anger. Uh, ch- change your tone of voice to a tone they've never heard before and hope they just get freaked out and they'll stop throwing the food on the floor so the dog can get it. <clears throat> I think it's, um, which really brings me to one of my big takeaways. I think it was Stuart Scott said, in parenting, comfort and ease are rare. I think were his exact words. I don't have his notes with me right now. But um, when he said that, I was like, man, he like he just talked about me. Like he's never... <laughs> Like he's never seen me parent, but he just like he just summed up my parenting style in one sentence. Because um, I really just I want to make life easy. I want life to be comfortable, <coughs> and I so I try to parent that way. I try to discipline my kids in a way that's easy on me, as opposed to what's going to be best for them, which is a big difference. Um, so that was a good punch to the gut, man. I've thought about that a lot since we've left that, left the conference. Um, Cause it's, it's one of those moments. And like when he started talking about it and kind of the life that Jesus calls us to like Luke nine twenty three, pick up your, take up your cross and follow me, die to yourself daily. Um, John 15, he's, Jesus says if the world hates you, it'll hate me. Um, Peter talks a lot about sharing in the sufferings of Christ. Um, our life as Christians isn't necessarily meant to be easy. Um, it's not always going to be easy. So why would parenting be anything else? Um, mm-hmm. and I, I sometimes talk a big game like, yeah, life's not easy, but I'm really trying to orchestrate life to be as easy as it, as it possibly can be. I'm more worried about my <clears throat> convenience and comfort and whatever other word you want to throw onto it than I am either displaying my uh, kids in a way that's going to help them or just being obedient, which is, uh, that's, that's why that statement, it just, it just really hit me because it's, 
I, I saw it in more areas than just parenting. Yep. <clears throat> parenting was the big application. So that's, I'm still honestly still thinking through that a little, a little bit, but um, yeah, that was tough. That was tough. What about uh, anything else that you? Uh, <clears throat> yeah, I think, I think the, uh, the, the other big thing, which I just want to hit on that good and angry thing that you just mentioned real quick, but good and angry during the same month as the parenting conference has, has changed also the way I respond to my child because I don't, or my children, I don't want to respond in anger, especially if it's just a spare embarrassment because we're around someone and my daughter did something embarrassing. Or yeah. like you said, my daughter's making me uncomfortable right now. And so, yeah, I think good and angry helped with that because he kind of talks about different parenting stuff in there a little bit. So, yeah, but um, my other takeaway, my biggest um, scriptural thing was Proverbs 22, 6. Um, you, you talk to people about parenting and, and here's what you get. Train up a child. And I mean, they don't even say the rest of the verse a lot. Just train up a child. And That's all you need. Basically, yeah, if you spank them, they'll come out saved. <laughs> it's kind of yeah. what people I think <laughs> die when they say that. Yeah. But um you know, just realizing that that's not a promise, that's a um, principle, it's a proverb, and that um, that gospel-centered parenting is not about training up a child in a strict, disciplined manner so that they will get saved, because um, I could turn my kid into a little Pharisee, mm-hmm. and my wife and I, we both grew up well-behaved, um, good, good grades, so-called Christian people would never have doubted that either one of us were saved growing up because we were so well behaved. I don't want my children to grow up the way we grew up. And it's not, I won't say it's my parents' fault because that's the thing. It's not my parents' fault that the gospel hadn't hit my heart. It was my own fault because my behavior was what got me positive, um, I guess, positive reaction from my parents and from my teachers and performance drove a lot of what I did to please people. But with God, it's complete opposite your performance doesn't save you and it doesn't earn my love. And so just looking at that proverb and just being reminded, not train up your child to be a legalist because he will go that way, but train up your child to to seek after God and hopefully they'll go that way. But you you can definitely know that if you don't train your child up to seek God and if you don't, and if you do train your child to be a legalist, it's going to be hard for them to escape that when they get older. Yeah, I I think that, um, could perhaps be one of the most misused verses in the Bible because it's a, it, I've yet to experience this yet, but uh, I heard the stories of the parents that come to the pastor and it's like, I trained up my child in the way he should go. And now look at him um, because we didn't apply scripture. You, You know, it's a, like you said, we, we claim it as a promise when it's actually, it's a principle or even like a, uh, would you say even maybe a rule to live by? Like the parent should train up the child in the way they should go. Um, but it's not so much a, a promise that's <laughs> rock solid, guaranteed, do this and your kid's going to be the next Apostle Paul or something like that. Yeah, and Todd Friel, he actually threw out a, a wretched video recently on this or someone sent it to me and he was just talking about like, don't look at it necessarily as spiritual, but at the same time, like if you train your child up to be a thief, he's going to continue in his life as a thief until, you know, until he's in jail or something. And so he was like, train your child up to be 
uh, I guess, in biblical principles, knowing that if you don't train them up, I think he said, like, if you don't train them up in anything, they won't do anything in life. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's like not even necessarily like train them up so they get saved, but you, you do have a job to train your child up in some way. And, and so um, maybe not tying it to salvation, but do train your children up to live yeah. and to see, you know, what we live. And so um, I, I think that was really helpful too. just talk for real speaking on that. Cause the, the negative of that is if you don't train your child up on anything, they'll just be postmodern American. <laughs> do whatever I want. Yeah, touche, man, touche. I hadn't really thought of it that way. It's more a bigger circle, if you will, than just the the spiritual side of it. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, Anything else from the conference? I think that's all I've got as far as big takeaways. Yeah, that sums it up. I mean, obviously, the talk on strong-willed children helped us because we've got some strong-willed ones. Um, (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I think I've got two of them. (laughs) so. <laughs> hopefully you've only got one i hope I'm not sure yet but oh, you know man. it was just good good reminder that we're not the only people with strong-willed children because that makes parenting slightly more difficult because we've got wills that clash with us as adults yes yes yeah so it, it was a very helpful conference um hopefully they'll do another one sometime and we'll have to go to it together so awesome man well uh Shall we talk about resources? What do you think? Let's do it. All right. I'm going to attempt to share my screen. So let me know when you can see it, if you don't mind. Right, I'll share mine. Okay. Right. Yeah, I see it. Okay. I'll just share mine. You don't have to worry about sharing yours. Okay. I've, got, I've got both our posts pulled up. So, um, so yeah, we'll start with yours. I really liked yours. Um, so for those of you who haven't seen these posts yet you can go to our facebook page facebook.com backslash theology for you and we've shared them there or just go to theologyforyou.com and we've got those so uh <coughs> we put together some of our favorite resources uh they're they're different topics um uh, that we both chose um which i was glad we didn't look exactly the same so uh chris favorite book on preaching christ-centered preaching um Tell me a little bit about why you chose uh, that book. That's a very good one. I've heard. I've never actually read it myself. Um, I, I think so. So I started preaching. My first sermon was actually through a, a friend, Jonathan Bennett, a mutual friend of ours. And uh, I had no idea what I was doing um, as far as I'd never preached before. I'd never been to seminary. But um, that, that first sermon was rough, but people were very encouraging. And so last winter during some snow days, I decided like, I'm going to figure out some kind of course or something on preaching. And so Brian Chappell's course was free online. Well, I started listening to it and hearing him lecture on how to develop sermons and stuff like that. And so after hearing that class and listening to hours of his lectures, I was like, I got to buy this book so that I can slow down and soak it up. And so a lot of the way I preach um, with, with my main points and my sub points and illustrations and stuff, at least at this point are are influenced by Brian Chappell and, and I've never I've not yet met a person who's read the book that wouldn't recommend it. So I mean it's been excellent. It's been a great tool for my spiritual life as as a preacher. Yeah, he's got another book too called Christ Centered Worship. Very helpful if you ever need a book on worship. Um, awesome. Favorite Puritan author. Jonathan Bennett would be proud of this category right here. Oh, oh yes. Yeah, so John Owen. John Owen, yeah, tell us about uh, 
your friend Owen here. You can thank uh, Jonathan Bennett, actually, because uh, Jonathan Bennett uh, introduced me to John Owen through communion with God when I, whenever I was first preaching. <clears throat> he would meet up with me once a week, and his biggest thing was communion with God is going to be the most important aspect of your preaching. And so we started working through uh, com communion, and then I met with some pastors and worked through mortification of sin. I, I absolutely loved it. I was tremendously blessed by it, even though I saw the phrase superfluity of naughtiness, which had no idea what it meant. <laughs> but, you know, we, we worked through that and some random Latin in, in this group that we were in. Um, John, Owen, John Owen became a, a favorite of mine, but uh, I, I tend to read the Puritan paperback versions when possible, just so I can not spend a, a year in one book. But uh, yeah. Spiritual Mindedness was one of the, one of the foundational books for me as, as I actually became a reader end of last year I started really reading a lot of books and spiritual mindedness was one of those books that's like hey you need to work on your mind you need to focus on what you're thinking about don't just be mindlessly living life and then I've been working through glory of Christ slowly but um Owen's just rich he's very biblical saturated and, and uh, he's deep he's not going to leave any subject barely touched he's going to overdo it which is is great for people like me who are nerds and I want to I question everything yeah, um, so it's been super helpful. I just, I really like John Owen, um, and it's just, just the nature of how he writes. Awesome. Uh, so, favorite living theologian? Uh, you said Joel Beakey. Is that yeah, how you say it? Yeah. Joel All Beakey. right. Um, <clears throat> yeah. And so, oh, I'll go ahead. Uh, it's your show, man. Go for it. I was gonna say Joel Beakey, man. Um, it's interesting because the first encounter I had with Joel Beakey was him hating on Shylin during a panel like christian mm -hmm. rappers christian rappers are disobedient cowards and uh i thought man what a jerk and then tim Charlie's posted his public apology and i thought that is a that is a a good man right there to apologize for a, a silly mistake that he did at a panel discussion and um and and then later on as i'm reading about the puritans i, I come across joe beakey he I was listening to a sermon he wrote on puritan meditation and that was really powerful as I was reading that John Owen book, but, um, you know, as a, as a guy who studies and writes about the Puritans, I, I really like Joe Beakey. He has a really good book on parenting. Um, it's called parenting by God's promises. <laughs> it's really good. Um, of course, it, being reformed Baptist, there's some things that we'll take a little bit of exception to. Um, Mm -hmm. with his covenant theology but yeah it's a it's a really good book fantastic it'll be especially helpful once we have teenagers he has a lot of good stuff about raising teenagers in there um that's great favorite blog our man tim challies challies.com yeah <laughs> oh what do you like about challies Charlie's is the top dog of Christian book reviews. Um, I go to him anytime I, I'm about to read a book I've never heard about because he might have read it and written a review about it. He's very trustworthy. <laughs> but also, I, mm -hmm. I, I read his blog daily. Um, a la carte has tons of really good blog posts in it, and he's yeah. the king of Amazon uh, Kindle deals. <laughs> yes, I, he is, I have spent 2 or $3 on tons of Kindle books because of Charlie's. And my wife, if she were to really look at the bank statement, um, she would probably yell at me because every now and then I'll see a, a book and I'm like, I got to get this and I'll just snag it on Amazon. 
But uh, no, Charlie's is just a, he's a good blogger. I really enjoy him. Yeah, I really like Charlie's too. The the a la carte kills me though. <laughs> <laughs> Biblical, oh, just the 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 Kindle deals. I'm like you. It's a <laughs> click click to buy is dangerous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> On Amazon. Yes. Sir. <laughs> All right, biblical theology. I I've not actually read this one, so I'm interested to hear a little bit about it from from you from New e from Eden to New Jerusalem. Yeah, and so I'm actually not 100 percent finished with it. I'm in the last like I think last chapter or two, but um, powerful book. The the guy who recommended it said read every single word and take it all in, and uh, he was completely right. I mean, this guy. Uh, he's focused on Genesis 1 through 3 and Revelation 20 through 22, and he traces themes such as atonement, uh, temple, and tabernacle, and, and uh, kingdom, and God's battle with Satan, um, the Son of God, God as eternal king. I mean, he's really just taken some... Uh, uh, I, guess, I guess what you... If, if you'd say he's taken these huge biblical themes and he's made them very, very applicable to people like you and I, um, you know, I, I've not yet got to doctorate level or master's level biblical theology. So being a regular average Joe, um, this book has been a really, really powerful introduction. And uh, as I mentioned in my little <coughs> section, his footnotes and uh, bibliography give me tons of resources that I really want to read. Um, I, I know I won't have the money to read all of it, but yeah. Uh, there's some stuff I really want to dig into because I, I, I like the Old Testament and I like biblical theology. Does he, Chris, does he look at just one one theme that kind of runs through the Bible or is he just looking at those big themes like you just talked about? Uh, well, he, he traces, um, I think there's, I can't remember how many chapters, but he traces a bunch of different themes. Okay. And he, he really, he really like it's a different chapter. So he's going to be like, that's why I said it's a good introduction because okay. some guys will take that one theme and write a thousand pages on it. Yeah, he takes like six themes and writes, you know, fifteen to twenty pages on each theme. Okay, that's cool. I have, pick, that. I have to pick that up sometime. That sounds yeah. good. All right, next was your favorite book on prayer, and this is actually both of our favorite books on prayer. So we'll kind of talk about this together, I guess. Tim <coughs> Tim Keller's uh, Prayer: uh, Experiencing Awe and Intimacy with God. So I'll, I'll kind of let you start on this one, and I'll add after that. All right. I won't talk so long on this one, but uh, I went through a period where um, my, my prayer life was really struggling. Uh, and I had a lot of extra time because it was during snow days. And uh, I had this book on the shelf for about a year and I picked it up and I was just like, man, um, Tim Keller, this is an excellent book. Um, just, just from, I guess that the aspects of how he, he works through the scriptures, but then he works through like um, Calvin, Augustine, and Martin Luther, and he kind of shows you their methods of prayer, and then he kind of walks through his method of prayer, and, and he just he makes it extremely like theological, but also extremely practical with a little bit of church history in there. So I really enjoyed those aspects of the book. Yeah, I'm with you. I enjoyed all of those aspects, and I think one of the most helpful things he did, <coughs> and he drove this point. I feel like throughout the whole book is that um, prayer has to be so connected to our Bible reading. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and in fact, if I remember correctly, he probably like in the time that he sits down to read his Bible had like four or five different times of prayer worked into it. Yeah. 
So like before he started, as he was reading, <coughs> praying, um, at, you know, connected with his meditation. Um, I, so just to add to what you said, I think that's all I'll really add is just the amount of prayer um, that honestly is needed as we read as we read the Bible. If we're going to take Jesus seriously, that he says, apart from me, you can do nothing, then as we study his word, we need to pray, 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 pray. And I'm talking to myself there for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I thought it was a very helpful book. I've read some other books on prayer too that I just felt like were – they were lacking. And I think the reason they were lacking is uh, their theology of prayer was just uh, – wasn't as full as what Keller presents in this book. So mm -hmm. it's a very helpful book. I, I know I will read it multiple, multiple times. Um, yeah. So awesome. Awesome. Uh, so favorite book on biblical meditation, you are our resident meditation expert. So here you go. <laughs> no. Um, so, so I've got, I've been working on two rap albums. One's called the sentiment and one's in a, it came out a couple of years back, but then I'm also working on one called uh, Mano, which is uh, the Greek for abide. And one of the big aspects that I've, I'm wor working through because I've battled depression and anxiety. And uh, I've even, I even battle ADHD as an adult, but it, how do I use my mind for the glory of God? And so reading John Owen's uh, spiritual mindedness led me to search out some more books on meditation and just how to use my mind better. Uh, also, John Piper's book, Think, I kind of read those all together. And then that led me to this book, which is also on meditation. And uh, <clears throat> so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a, honestly, it's not one of those like theological favorites. It's more of like my real life. But yeah. um, <clears throat> this book kind of lays out biblical meditation, not this weird uh, mystic stuff. You know, I, I don't really fool with mysticism. I think it's kind of dangerous. Um, mm -hmm. You know, people are like, you know, read Henri Now and some of those guys. Uh, Thomas Merton. I'm not a huge fan of reading Catholic mystics because I have Puritans who, who had experiential faith, but also were theologically sound. Um, so this book is one of those, like, here's how to meditate. Here's what Puritans meditated on. Here's some uh, barriers to meditation. Here's some dangerous, bad meditation. I mean, it's just a really very good book. And this guy did a doctorate level study in it. And what I like about it, uh, people on Amazon would get one star rating because they said, I want more of the author this guy gives you basically a ton of Puritan quotes on meditation. So it's not necessarily his opinion. It's literally, here's what the Puritans taught on meditation and then take it from there. Cool. Yeah. I know my pastors read that book. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. <clears throat> Favorite publisher, Banner of Truth. This is a obscure <laughs> one to, to some probably. Yeah. Um, Banner of Truth. They post a ton of Puritan books and they post a ton of old writings. I'm a huge fan of the Puritans, um, and, and this is, you know, interesting. I just want to throw this in there. As a black person, I know the Puritans held slaves, some of them, not all of them. I know that some people can get really upset about that and kind of discredit these guys, but what I love about the Puritans is you can open any Puritan book just about, and I mean, using the word Puritan in a general word, um, you know, because there's, there's some debate about that, but you can open up a John Owen, a Richard Seale, uh, a Richard Baxter some sometimes, um, but some of these guys, and you you are going to get scripture after scripture after scripture, and you're going to get biblical teaching. You're going to get um, uh, those people. They they inspire me. 
because so so little of today's literature is filled with scripture. So, so little of today's sermons and, and Christian music is filled with scripture. And so I think we've got to get back to that. And I think the Puritans are a good reminder yeah. of, of what that looks like. Yeah, they have a, a lot of stuff. And I think, was that started by Martin Lloyd-Jones? I don't know if he started it, but I know he was associated with it. I've, I've not done a whole okay. lot of research on the background, but I know he's a huge uh, aspect of, of, I think, getting it up and running in the 70s, maybe, 60s, yeah. 70s or 80s. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> and yeah, they're a great publisher and most of their books look really good on your shelf. So oh, FYI. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice looking books. Uh, favorite preacher, John Piper. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you really have to say any more other than that. Exactly, man. People, <laughs> people like to give John Piper some flack, you know, with the Rick Warren stuff, um, which I don't know. I don't know a whole lot about why he had Rick Warren. Um, fooling with him but John Piper regardless of what you know regardless of some of those outside issues Piper can preach uh, the word of God he's an expositor he is uh, text. he wrestles with difficult issues and I don't agree with him on everything but I can tell you that <coughs> the man can preach the word and he's got his own unique style we know people try to imitate him and they fail but Piper's a beast and he's got good sermons yeah, I I agree with you on that one. So we'll move on to Shy Lynn, favorite Christian hip hop artist. Um, I'll say very brief words about him. He is a beast on the mic. He has some of the best flow, some of the best instrumentals. Um, his entire discography is incredible. You won't you won't not like any of his albums. All his music is is very uh, consistent. So check him out. He's he's a East Coast yeah. hip hop reformed and gospel singer. Yeah, I uh, I think I would agree with you on this one. We were listening to uh, Lyrical Theology a couple Saturdays ago. Yeah. And uh, Carson just kept telling me to play the table of contents on that over and over and over and over. <laughs> so, Daddy, play it again. I was like, there's more There's more good songs coming. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, awesome. So, mine are not as, as interesting as yours. So, we'll move on to mine. Come on now. We can move on, move on here. All right, I'll be the host, I'll be the host this time. All right, you host, go for it. All right, Ben, ESV Study Bible, um, why do you like it so much? Um, I, one is just the, the breadth of it, the notes that are in it. Um, I've had study Bibles in the past where I, I felt like it, <laughs> the notes just kind of let me down, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. I've never really had that happen with the ESV Study Bible. <clears throat> it's from Crossway. I trust Crossway as a publisher. Um, and it's just got a lot of different uh, scholars that I know and trust that worked on it. Um, I also like the, this is a, a minor thing, but I, I like the layout of it, just, mm-hmm. just kind of how it looks as you're studying. Um, <clears throat> the notes in the back are very helpful. They've got uh, different articles. Um, so it, 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 And it's the one that I've used the most consistently. So it, I, it, it's probably my favorite because it's the most familiar. Honestly, at the end of the day, but didn't you have it with you at the parenting conference? I did. Yes. Yeah, yeah I saw that. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a beast. I mean, you don't want to carry it. <laughs> and the only reason I had it there is because we were staying overnight, and I'm doing my morning Bible reading out of it right now. So otherwise, I I, I wouldn't have been carrying around like a a five pound Bible. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty um, big. And I'll say this, christianbook.com has ESV study Bibles on sale. And I think I saw, yeah, genuine ESV study Bible for 50 bucks. So that's a steal. Yeah. You need to go get that people. Yeah. Go get that. I've, I've got one, so I can't justify buying another one. Yeah, me either. <laughs> I'm with you. I did find a steal at half price books yesterday though. The MacArthur study Bible. Oh, that's a good one. The new American standard Bible uh, version. That's the one. I um, yeah, it was $2, like the hardback. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So I, I, you know, I, uh, I bought it for no other reason than to give it away. I was like, it's $2. It's too good to not do it. So it's a great resource. That's, that's one of the study Bibles I used over time. Yeah. You gotta love John, love John MacArthur, but we'll get to John MacArthur in a few minutes. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. So your favorite is on Reddit. So you can rebuke me and tell me to read it. Uh, I'm not going to rebuke you. I just, I actually read it. Um, so here's, here's where Jonathan Bennett comes in again. Um, he he gave me a, he had an extra copy so he gave me his extra copy. Um, I had already always heard of it. <coughs> my dad, who's <coughs> who is my pastor, I had read it many many years ago and I heard him talk a lot about it. Um, <coughs> excuse me, I'm sorry, but uh, really the big reason for choosing this one is I, I think it had the biggest impact on me and solidifying. Um, my conviction that expository preaching <coughs> is the biblical mode of preaching. Um, topical is, is good and, and needed every now and then, but it, even topical can be expositional at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Lloyd-Jones is really, it, <coughs> if you read his preaching, read his sermons, he's a theologian and a top, top-notch theologian. Um, very good at finding the theology of the text and just running with it and opening up the scriptures that way. So that's why I picked that one on preaching. It's a, it, it helped me a lot. That's great. And um, I, I've listened to some Martin Lloyd Jones. It's kind of hard to listen to just because of the audio quality and the accent, but um, even some of the stuff I listened to was incredible. Yeah, it's fantastic. He's got a sermon on Ephesians. I think it's Ephesians two four. It's just called "But God," and he <laughs> preaches he preaches on the two words "But God" for about an hour, and it's uh it's really good, really good. That's great. Um, so next up we got the old uh, Grudem systematic, the Baptist. Uh, every Baptist that I know that form theology has Grudem on the shelf. Um, so explain that one. Um. <clears throat> Well, I put in the notes here that uh, Grudem was the systematic that Boys College used when I was attending there and getting my uh, degree. I think they still use it. Uh, this is also the systematic theology that I remember my dad using uh, growing up. So um, I, I really like Grudem because I, I feel like he's fair to uh, views that he doesn't agree with. <clears throat> and he tries to present them in um, ways that uh, – they he tries to present their views how they would actually present it and not how he thinks it should be presented. Um, <clears throat> but even in the areas that I disagree with him, I admire that he's always arguing his points from scripture. It always comes back uh, to the Bible. Um, it, it is lacking in some areas. It's, it's not that historical 
Um, he, he, I don't know how confessional groom is. So there's, there's some things. It's not perfect, but it's honestly, if I've got to study a topic, I more often than not go to him first. <clears throat> yeah, and he, he's kind of easy. He's easy to navigate because I've got a few other systematics yeah. and, and they're good, but, you know, Grudem, you can find the subject and go straight there, and it's, it's going to be pretty much easy to find on the page. Yeah, and he's a theologian who's a, a gifted writer as well. So yeah. um, not only is it easy to navigate, he's easy to read, which, which helps a lot. Yeah, definitely. Um, so moving on to uh, favorite biblical theology. I must admit that uh, I almost <laughs> bought this one. And yeah. I got to the book nook in Louisville and I, I, I sold a whole bunch of books and I only got back $13. So I couldn't. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so uh, I ended up going with the, the Alexander book, but I, I definitely yeah. want this one in the future. So explain yeah, this, this one. <clears throat> this is a good one. Um, this is from Dr. Jim Hamilton. He's a, a professor at uh, the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. He's also a pastor in Louisville, I believe at Kenwood Baptist Church. Um, he is looking, whereas the book you talked about takes many different things and kind of looks at the Bible, <clears throat> he's looking at the Bible's uh, storyline uh, through the lens of God's glory and salvation through judgment, which is the title of the book. Um, I th one of the reasons I think I really like this one is just out of, <clears throat> out of all the – I've only read a handful. I've not read a lot of biblical theology. But this was the most God-centered mm. out of out of all that I read, and this may be this is a bit simplistic on theology. But normally, the more God-centered it is, that's the view that I normally go with. Yeah, um, I, I think that's just an outworking of our Reformed theology. That's why I'm Reformed in my theology is I, I believe it's <coughs> it accurately portrays the God-centeredness of the Scriptures. Um, so, but he's really looking at, at you know themes like uh, God's glory and salvation through judgment. So, when you look at Noah's Noah's Ark, uh, the the waters of judgment are actually what what ends up saving Noah and his family because God put them in the ark and the the water lifts up the ark. And um, so he's he's really looking at that throughout. And it, what he does is he takes each book of the Bible and he's looking at. How does Genesis talk about God's glory and salvation through judgment? So it's just very helpful. And he's yeah, also that, uh, that one's probably going to be on my Christmas list. And good for you, man. Put that on the wish list. Um, yeah. Uh, but he's also another one that, although he's a scholar, he's not hard to read. So that that that's, that's helpful. That's helpful as well. He's an excellent preacher. My pastor uh, listens to him as he's working through the Gospel of John, and man, he's my pastor has really been blessed by him. Yeah, his song of uh, Solomon sermon series is really good as well. Jonathan Bennett talks very highly about it. Maybe we need to do an episode just about Jonathan Bennett because we <laughs> mentioned him three times now. So, or yeah, four. We should do that. Know. Or just get him on here and let him just let him talk. Yeah, we'll listen. That'd be great. Yeah. So, uh, so next up, favorite preacher, the Prince of Preachers. Prince of Preachers. And I was yeah. not gonna. I was not going to steal this one from you, but yes, he is a, he's a good preacher. I want to hear why, yeah. why he's your favorite. Um, yeah. So Charles Spurgeon is, uh, honestly my go-to, my favorite preacher is my pastor, honestly, but, um, 
just because he's had the most impact up close. And I see him living out the – he's practicing what he's preaching. Um, but back to Spurgeon. Um, <coughs> I don't even know where to start, to be honest with you. We could probably do a whole episode on, on this. I think I like Spurgeon because um, he's a different type of expositor. I don't, I don't, I don't know how much you've read of Spurgeon. I would say he is an expositor, but he's not like an expositor like a John MacArthur who starts at the beginning of the Gospel of John and preaches through the whole book. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> to my knowledge, uh, Spurgeon never did a sermon series like that. He never. Um, never ever really preached through a whole book in that fashion <clears throat> but he's faithful to the text um he was faithful to uh god uh throughout honestly a, a, a very difficult life he had a lot of success in his ministry <clears throat> but also had a lot of heartache his wife um uh was, was very sick uh, so he had to bear a lot of the uh she she did a lot she just wasn't able to get out out often, so he there's a lot of stuff he dealt with at home, a lot of ministry things, and uh, <clears throat> just reading Spurgeon, I just I I don't know I I I would I hope we get to hear preaching in heaven because I hope Spurgeon gets to preach, um, but just his the way he's his language he's so simple mm -hmm. in what he says, but it's so profound at the same time, um, and. He's one of the few people that I've ever read a sermon that you can see his heart through what you read. And I think that's, above all, that's probably what's given me the uh, admiration I do for Spurgeon. And you can just tell that the man, he loved Jesus, and it comes through in every sermon. Mm -hmm. um, and I've been exposed to him a lot. I read him typically every Saturday, just to get ready for a, uh, worship myself on sunday that's great man <clears throat> i feel like i stumbled a lot on that because there's there's a lot i could say but we'll leave it at that yeah spurgeon man spurgeon is he's hard to just talk about one one or two things about him because he is just a great preacher and expositor and author and everything else i mean he's he, god really was with him and gave him the abilities he had yeah he uh it was amazing yeah, so favorite book on salvation. I've got to, uh, to my shame, admit that I, I haven't read a book specifically on salvation. So maybe this will be my first one. Yeah, this is a good one, The Cross and Salvation. Um, <clears throat> I had to read this for a class, so that's honestly why I had to read it. I took a class at Boys called The Doctrine of Salvation. Um, <laughs> very catchy title. Um, but I, honestly, what's, what's most helpful about this is uh, – much like Grudem, he takes everything back to Scripture. <clears throat> and why this is just a good resource is for each doctrinal like subset of the doctrine of salvation, so justification, sanctification, <clears throat> union with Christ. He, uh, it's very helpful because he gives differing views on it. Uh, so the Reform view, the Arminian view, liberation theology, liberal theology, what they may have to say about things on a certain subject. So I think it's just helpful because it's comprehensive. Um, so that's yeah. one of the reasons I chose it. Another one, I have not read this yet, but I've heard a lot of good about it is uh, Anthony 
uh, I think you say it, Hokuma or Hakuma. I've heard it both ways. Saved, saved by grace is supposed to be phenomenal. <coughs> I picked that up. I picked that up when we went to Nine Marks, but I haven't, haven't been able to read it yet. So uh, I got to <laughs> step my game up on the Salvation Book. So yeah, you have to you know which one I should read. Yeah, I honestly, I probably this is a good one to start with, <clears throat> and it's on Kindle. And it looks good on Kindle. I read the Kindle version. Okay. So it uh, it's it was nicely laid out. So uh, we don't have to cover the notebook and the pen. Those were just fun. People can go read those. Yes, and but I will say you have awesome pens. Like when I went to Nine Marks, I had only known one other person that used those awesome. Like pour the ink into the pen and use it. Those yeah. are awesome. If I could ever talk to my wife and let me get a, a pen, I want one. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I had. Uh, I'll have to give the props here to my brother-in-law because he started using them. I was like, hey, that actually looks pretty nice. But I, I, I like using the fountain pens, not only because they look cool. I mean, that's just awesome. But um, it really helps me to slow down and think about what I'm writing about because it doesn't mm-hmm. write as fast as other pens do. So it really just pause and, um, I don't know, just – it's really helped me just slow down and think and not rush through things because I have a tendency to just flow through things. So awesome, man. So resources, parenting, good and angry. Uh, we talked a little bit about it. <clears throat> I think that's it. We made it. Yeah. We did a good job. So um, thanks to everyone for watching and uh, listening. Uh, we'll be back next month with uh, more fun stuff. But until then, thank you guys. Thank you. <laughs>